confession on apprenticeship? Ah, oh, very good. The dutiful people said ah. Oh. <laughs> Doing what Jesus did and hearing God's voice. The first thing you hear uh, when, you, when I start talking about hearing God's voice, the first thought that comes to most people's minds is, I never hear God's voice. I mean, it's like the whole Charlton Heston film thing when God's voice comes booming from heaven, and very few people, myself included, have heard that and done that. But I want to ask you a question. Have you made a contact point with Jesus? Have you said your yes to Jesus? Have you asked him, as I did as a child, to come into your heart? Or have you said, Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? Have you done that? Well, then, you've heard from God. Because in John chapter 4, sorry, John chapter 6, verse 44, no one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me draws him. So think back to your experience of hearing from God and think back to your experience of actually growing close to Jesus. What was the process? Because God was in that. And you were hearing from God. And it's that simple. And it may not have been dramatic, for some people it might have been, but God's voice is simple. It's the still, small voice that comes to us. And you see, Jesus actually promised us these things, and He expected God to speak to us. In John 10, 27, He says, My sheep listen to My voice. I know them, and they follow Me. So it is part of God's inheritance, part of Jesus' plans for you, that you hear His voice and that he knows you and you follow him. The reason I know it's God speaking to me, one of the many reasons I know that it's God speaking to me when he does is because he is so much more precise than me. I tend to waffle. I tend to, uh, Hazel's nodding loudly. <laughs> I, tend to, I tend to waffle and talk around things, and God just speaks something very, very simple and very, very straight, and yet lovingly. Because with the voice of God, it's not just the words that he communicates, it's his heart. There's an impact in your spirit. You feel it in your heart. I'll tell you a story. A good many years ago, I used to drive Golf GTI. Nobody looked surprised. <laughs> um, and at the, there was a point whenever I was, I have a sort of an on-off relationship with speed limits. And uh, at, the, at the point, this was one of the points in my life when I was trying to be good. And I was at the traffic lights outside uh, Hollywood Railway Station on the main boulevard, and there was a guy who drove up beside me in a snazzy-looking car, and I thought, I'm having you. <laughs> uh, could we rub, rub this out of the tape, just in case, you know, for <laughs> plead the Fifth Amendment, self-incrimination? Um, so the lights duly changed. I waited to orange and then green, and then off I went. Un unfortunately, because of the performance of the car I was driving, I actually got slightly higher than the 40 mile an hour speed limit before the 60 mile an hour speed limit came. So I said, Lord, I'm sorry. And I heard the clear voice of the Lord speaking to me saying, you're not sorry at all, you scamp, you enjoyed that. <laughs> so God's very real. He meets us where we are, but it was said in a loving way. <laughs> you see, in Matthew 4 verse 4, Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, does it say, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that came from the mouth of God? No, it doesn't. The English grammar students among you will understand that that is comes from the mouth of God. 
So God's expectation and his creation way back in Genesis was that man could walk in the garden and he could talk to man and man could talk to him. And his process of restoration for his children today is not that we'd have a remote relationship with a God who spoke to us 5, 10, 15 years ago, but a God who speaks to us daily. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And sometimes he'll come with scripture, and sometimes he'll come with something like he'd tell me off for being a scamp, or sometimes he'll come with just words of affirmation. He is a God, a good, good father who cares for his children. You see, Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit will speak to us. He spoke to the disciples and through them to us. John 14, 26, he says, The advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit's role is actually to teach us and to remind us and to speak to us. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember my days at school, and that was a long time ago in my case. But the thing that must have frustrated the teacher is when the teacher's giving a quality lesson, the pupils aren't listening. So there's nothing actually coming across. So the importance is that whenever the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, unless we understand, unless we listen to Him, we're not going to get the full benefit of the lesson. And I, I guess I'm probably here about 10% or appreciate about 10% of what God's saying. <laughs> you know, or, oh, that's good. And then five minutes later, I've forgotten about it. I was at a prophetic conference uh, about a month ago. And one of the guys had a prophetic ministry. He prophesied over absolutely everybody in the, in the conference. It was brilliant and very encouraging. But during the meeting, someone gave a message, uh, a prophecy. And afterwards, he got up and he spoke and he shared and he said, wasn't that a great message from God? And everybody goes, yeah, that was great. And then he said, who here remembers what was said? I was one of the two people who put their hands up because God had been confirming something to me, so I, I knew what God had said. But for, that was a big lesson for me, that so often we hear something from God and then we forget about it. Okay, and... The Bible says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. So we need the word of God, but we need to do something about it. And in John 16, 13, Jesus said, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So I've got a little bit of word of advice for us today. Don't put the Holy Spirit in a box, because things don't end well for the box. I'm very grateful for the upbringing I had, a church that taught about the Holy Spirit and that taught that uh, every Christian should be able to hear from God. I had an experience as a child when I was baptized in the Spirit and spoke in tongues, and I also experienced fillings of the Holy Spirit. And the vineyard talks about God coming as the Holy Spirit and filling us. It's interesting that in Ephesians 5.18, it says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-off experience. And I'm sick and tired of hearing testimonies of someone who goes and says, 20 years ago, God spoke to me and the Holy Spirit moved on me, and that's a great experience. Yeah, but it's meant to be every day. It's meant to be continuous. It's meant to be this morning. Let's make it real. It's meant to be this morning. And that's his plan. So 
I find that the Holy Spirit isn't so concerned about boxes and about labels and so on. He wants to move in our lives. He's living and breathing, and He moves and lives in us, and He wants to whisper His words of comfort and His words of assurance and His words of truth into our lives. See, it is the Holy Spirit who works through us. In 1 Corinthians 12, there's an amazing picture of what it's like in the church, and I have lived in church services like this, where uh, the Holy Spirit comes and He gives manifestations for the common good, a message of wisdom, a word of knowledge or faith, miraculous powers, people are getting healed. These things are happening all around us. And I love the times in the vineyard here where we get testimonies from people who share, God really spoke to me, or God healed me, or God transformed my life situation. And there's so much that goes on in this church that we just don't hear about. But I love the testimonies coming up and the encouragement that that gives to everybody to say, well, if God can do it for them, He can do it for me. But I want to focus on the word prophecy there. And talk about that, where that's just hearing the voice of God for yourself and also speaking that voice out to others. And we're going to get a chance to do that this morning. So that focuses attention. <laughs> yeah, so prophecy. What is prophecy? Graham Cook, who's a prominent prophetic ministry, specifically said one time that prophecy is God's heart with a voice. I love that. Prophecy is God's heart with a voice, where you capture the heart of God for someone, His compassion, His love, His hopes, and His promises for someone, and you speak that out. Prophecy comes in two different ways. There's foretelling and there's foretelling. Foretelling, we can look at John chapter 1, where Jesus has this guy who's completely unknown called Nathaniel, who comes to him, brought by another servant, another disciple. And Jesus looks at him, and in John 1, 47, he says, Here an Israelite in whom there is no guile. In other words, he's straight. I love straight people, don't you? I love people who will tell you the truth, who will be straight with you rather than try and dodge things around. And Jesus saw that in Nathaniel, so he was seeing what was inside Nathaniel, and he was speaking it out. And very often we have a picture of ourselves, and we don't realize actually how God sees us. And the role of prophecy is to hold up the mirror and let us see how God actually sees us and not just uh, <clears throat> how we think of ourselves. So that was Jesus' forth telling. And then in John 1, 50 to 51, he goes on to talk about foretelling where he says to Nathaniel, you're going to see greater things than this. You're going to see more. You're going to see heavens open. You're going to see angels descending and ascending. So there's a foretelling as well, and that's the bit we, know, we normally know about prophecy when someone comes and speaks to us about something. I remember one night having a dream and, uh, many years ago, and the Lord spoke to me and said, Hazel is the woman set aside for you. You're going to be married, and you're going to live in Larne, and he said some other things as well. Now, I can recommend that when God recommends your choice to you, that that's a very high recommendation. Is that the way that, everybody, that it happens to everybody? Absolutely not. It's personal for each person how God speaks to you because he knows you as his child and he will speak to you in a way that you can relate to and you will hear from him. So that's the foretelling and the foretelling. You see, the Bible commands us to actually 
follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. That's 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. And it's very easy just to say, oh, uh, Michael, I would like to hear from God, but if it happens, it happens, you know. If it happens, it happens. I'll just sit back and wait for the Holy Spirit to mug me. That's not the way it happens. The Bible commands us to be enthusiastic, to follow the way of love, and eagerly desire. The Greek is zelu, which means zealous. It's something that you're really burning hot and passionate about. So I was expecting really hot, passionate reactions to an opportunity to go and see the giants this morning, but it, it's kind of like didn't quite go there. Now, I have a, a niece who is very passionate about the Giants. He's there constantly all the time. And if she'd been here this morning, she'd have been running up to the front <laughs> and Paul would have lost an arm. Um, so that's the attitude that God wants us to have of being passionate and encouraged and desiring and eager and saying, God, this is amazing. It's wonderful that I can hear from you, that I can speak into other people's lives and see lives changed. And there's an element of risk involved, I know. John Wimber famously said that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And a few weeks back, I, ended up, I saw a picture for someone and I shared it with them. She looked at me with tears in her eyes and said, I asked God to speak to me this morning. God's a loving Father. He cares about the people that He's sending you to. And just being responsive to that and being available to that and being open to that, who knows what it's going to open up in that person's life because they're precious to Him. So let me ask you a question. If God tells you to eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, that means He wants to give them to you. This is Christmas time. What would you think of me as a father if I took my son to a Lego toy shop? Now, I'm going back about 15 years, but uh, I suppose now it would, be technolo it would be technology and other things. But took him to a Lego shop and showed him a shop window full of Lego, and he was absolutely delighted. And then I said, but I'm not going to give you that. That's not the kind of father I am. And it's not the kind of father that your God is either. When he asks you to desire something, it's because he wants to give it to you. And in 1 Corinthians 14, 31, the Bible promises, for you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. Anybody see the word all there? I heard John Wimber say this one time. He looked that up in the Greek, and the word all means all. <laughs> so we're all included. We all have the opportunity to hear from God and to share into other people's lives. People get intimidated at this, but I want to talk about a swimming pool this morning. Anybody remember their swimming lessons and learning to swim? It's a very intimidating process, this wet, watery, watery stuff that you had to get into. But unless you had a really uh, a, a sadistic teacher, they don't throw you in at the deep end. They allow you to swim or stand or walk around in the shallow end before you learn to swim in the deeper end. And prophecy is like a swimming pool. Again, Graham Cook used this analogy, where you have the shallow end, if you like. It's like you dip your feet in and you enjoy it, and then you come out again, or you dip your feet in and you walk around, and it feels comfortable, and it's nice, and it's not too, not too impactful. And, it's, and the water's warm as well. I always noticed when I went into the diving pool, the water was really cold. You know, I think it was encouraging people to get out of the pool and not swim. So, the gift of prophecy then 
is the kind of like the shallow end, and we're encouraging everybody to get involved in doing that. And then perhaps as it happens consistently and overall, then a prophetic ministry develops or even moves into the prophetic office, which is a governmental role in the church. I mean, personally, I think I, I hover around gift of prophecy. Occasionally, I get out of the pool. Well, quite often, I get out of the pool. Then I get back in again. I like a bit of the gift. Sometimes I'll move into prophetic ministry. But the thing is that there's so much more. There's so much more. No matter where you are this morning, there is so much more. Romans 12:6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. He whose gift is prophecy, let him prophesy according to the proportion of his faith. So the journey from the shallow end to the deeper end is one of grace. It's one of receiving God's grace. It's also one of faithfulness. As you're faithful in the little things, God gives you more. And it's one of his Holy Spirit just coming and giving us his power. So how does prophecy work? There's a process involved. Those of you who have uh, been listening to the Stepping Into Prophecy and have done the 10-week Stepping Into Prophecy course, which I'm trying to condense into 20 minutes this morning, um, you'll know that there's a prophecy function, if you like, or process where you get the revelation, and I'll talk about the various ways that God speaks in a minute. Then you interpret it. What does it mean? So Hazel used the illustration of seeing a picture of a cup of tea, and it was getting stirred up. And she said, Lord, what does this mean? And the Lord said, it's a storm in a teacup. So a little picture like that. And what does it mean, Lord? You're constantly dialoguing with the Lord because he loves you to dialogue with him and find out about things. And then, well, what do I do? Well, share it with the lady that, uh, who is so worried about that situation that actually it's a storm in a teacup. It seems like a big drama, but in reality, it's not that big. And that was an encouraging word for her. And that's the application, what to do about it. Sometimes it's just to pray. remember a few months ago, actually not that long ago, I was sitting where Hazel is right now, and I watched an angel in the spirit coming in and standing uh, in the aisle there. And he wasn't doing anything. He just stood there. I said, Lord, what's going on here? Nothing. So I just left it. said, okay, Lord, that's good. And then later on, Elaine came to the front of the church, and as she was coming to the front, Paul and Chantel went to greet her. And they hugged exactly where the angel was waiting. In the midst of your reality and situation, God has provision. His spirit never leaves us. He knows the future, and he knows what's going to happen, and he is there for you. And how important it is to hear the voice of God and know that, that when you're going through something, you're not on your own. He's with you. So how does the revelation of God come? Well, there are different ways that God brings revelation. Paul talked about it earlier on, a Bible verse. I remember driving away from work one time, and I'd been going through a really, really tough time several years ago, about 30 years ago, and I was saying, Lord, I just feel dead inside. You know, you ever get that when your emotions are just so completely pummeled with everything that's going on and you just feel wrecked? And immediately popped popped into my head that verse, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he was dead, yet shall he live. And you see, the thing is, no matter what situation we face, when Jesus gets involved, things change. And he's the resurrection. Or sometimes it can be a picture in the mind's eye, and let's just explore that a little bit further. Can you close your eyes, please? This is a trust exercise. <laughs> 
I want you to imagine that you're coming up to a shop window. And I want you to look into the shop window in your imagination and you see a t-shirt hanging in the shop. What color is the t-shirt? Is there anything written on the t-shirt? Is there a message or a logo? Okay, open your eyes again. The picture that you had in your mind there, you put that by your imagination. And God does the same. He puts pictures into your mind that you can see and realize without actually understanding, oh, actually, that was my imagination. And the problem for me very often is thinking, is that really you, God, or is it my imagination? You know? And uh, the reality is that he shows me things that I wouldn't imagine. Or other times he'll show me something and I think, well, that's actually in the Bible. So there's all sorts of ways you can be reassured through the peace of God and things like that, that this really is God. Another way to, th to look at it is, again, a practical exercise. Can you hold your hands in, in front of your faces? Okay, can everybody see me? Okay. How many fingers are you holding up? Okay. When I asked you that question, thank you, uh, you immediately focused on your hand, didn't you? But you can still see me, and you can still hear me. And that's the way that God works sometimes. So when I saw that angel I was talking about, I could look around me and see everything else, but it was like God focused me on something in the Spirit. You see, there are messages and pictures flying through the air right now through all of us. <clears throat> it's called TV. <laughs> and you just need a, a receptor to tune in to see it and watch it. So those of you who are watching something on your phone, sorry, put it down. <laughs> um, that's the, that's the sort of an impact or a picture, if you like, of the Holy Spirit, that He's always communicating, caring, and has things for us. It's just a matter of tuning in. Sometimes it can be a, f a word or a phrase comes to mind, or a feeling, or just a sensing. Hazel works this sometimes. She'll come into the church, and she'll feel a pain in a part of her body, and she knows that's a sign that the Holy Spirit wants to heal somebody in that area. Or I'll feel it, uh, an emotional area more. Sometimes it's an inner knowing where you just look at someone and you just know something about them. And that's the same as the Holy Spirit working. And sometimes you sense a nudge to do something. So I would be sitting in the church and I know that there's going to be an appeal for prayer and I sense a nudge that I need to go up. And I'll come up sometimes, and I've just done this for prayer ministry, and say, look, I have no clue why I'm here. Someone asks me, I say, look, I have no clue why I'm here, but just I felt God wanted me to be here. And that's the same for us, very often, how we met Jesus. We've no clue about it, but we just felt something, and it drew us in. So in conclusion, I want to talk about an invitation to you this morning. Very often we think God never speaks to us, or very little, but actually Jesus is issuing an invitation to us. He says to us, ask and it will be given to you. Very often we don't bother asking. Let's ask. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So this morning we're just going to ask you, come Holy Spirit, give good gifts to your children, we pray. We just open ourselves to you.
Come, Holy Spirit.